Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning on this rainy day. And, you know, today's one of those days I know when you kind of just want to stay in bed a little bit longer, don't you? Well, one of the things that I'm so thankful of is that I was up early this morning at 5 o'clock. And when I got up, there was not a, hardly a cloud in the sky and, and the sun was up. And you know what? Every morning when I get up early and I see the sun, I'm always reminded that no matter what, no matter how bad the world may be, be looking at that particular time, the sun reminds me that God is still on his throne and he's still in charge, right? You know, as we've been going through this series in the last couple of weeks, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people. Several people have come in to talk to me about this Matthew 10 series. And I want to say to you that, you know what? You know, there's been some pretty hard words that Jesus has said. But I think we need to remember that as we look over the entire Bible, we need to understand what Jesus has told us that we're supposed to be about. And that is that everything that we do has to be bathed in love. If it's not bathed in love, then it's not of God. We can disagree with people and we can still love them because as far as I know, this is still a hospital for those who need Jesus, right? Amen. And I'm also very much aware, including myself, that I don't think there's anyone here that's perfect. So people, I want you to hear from my heart. Well, Pastor Bob, so would you feel comfortable if someone who called, said they were gay would come to this church and my answer to that would be absolutely. Just as much as I want someone who's a liar, someone who's a cheater, someone who's adulterer, you know what I mean? Because that's what the church is for. Well, okay, Pastor, but what about somebody who's struggling with their, their gender identity? Do you want someone like that in our church? You better believe I do. So that we can share with them the truth and we can show them and share with them the love of Jesus. That's what we're called to do. That doesn't mean that we will stand and allow people just to run over us, no. But we have to remember that God has called us to love. Do you remember the woman caught in adultery? Can anybody relate to her? Can you imagine in front of the entire church and here you are and your sin has been laid out in front of everybody and now you're standing before Jesus himself. And he knows not only what you've done, but the reason why you've done it. And when there's a group of people, of your so-called friends, and they're all holding rocks ready to stone you, and then Jesus questions them, and one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they leave dropping their rocks. Have you ever seen yourself when you kind of, you're covering yourself from the potential hit blows from the rocks and all of a sudden you peek up and you look and you realize that there's nobody there who wants to kill you. But then you notice the feet of Jesus. Remember what Jesus said to her? So where is these people that wanted to accuse you? And you look around and 
You can't find anybody anywhere. And then Jesus reminds you, I'm not here to accuse you either. But go and leave your life of sin. And then be my disciple. That's what Jesus has called us to do. To love one another. Because love is the very thing that causes people to wonder about this Jesus because they struggle with unconditional love. And the other thing about that is that I know that there are families sitting in this room that are dealing with the very issues that we've been talking about and others in their very lives. And as a church, we wanna be a support to them, right? We want to come alongside of them and love them and say, hey, listen, you're not in this alone because we have all raised kids in the same house and sometimes we wonder how did that one turn out as different as that one, right? They heard the same thing. And so I just think that what the Lord Jesus Christ has called us to be is to come alongside of one another, to stand on the truth of God's word but to do it through love. Now today we come to the end of our series in Matthew chapter 10, and I can't wait to share with you what I'm gonna share with you today. I wanna begin by telling you that I am a result-oriented person, okay? I don't care whatever it is that I'm going through, I can go through about anything if I kinda have an idea of how it's gonna end up. Can anybody relate to that? I mean, I'm a coach, I like to win. No, I love to win, okay? I hate to lose, even backgammon with my wife, but I'm not as bad as she is. <laughs> Let me tell you a secret. When we used to play backgammon and she would be losing, I would kind of rub it in a little and she would say, oops, and accidentally knock it off the table. <laughs> I'm not that sore of a loser, but I want you to know that I do like to win. You know, I know that in life, just like any sport, you know what? There's a price to pay, right? And I want you to know I'm not afraid to pay the price, even if it's a big price. I'm okay with that. But all I want to know is in the end, is it worth it? I think one thing that we've all figured out in our lives right now was that we are on this earth for a purpose. There's a reason why we're here. It's not just that we get up, we go to work, we come home, then we do that for 20 or 30 or 40 years, and then we retire, and then we die, and that's it. We all understand that we're involved in something bigger than ourselves, right? In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says some very hard things. He talks about that we'll be rejected he talks about that we'll be like sheep among wolves. He tells us that there will even be possibly division among our families. But in and through all of that, he reminds us his expectation of all of us is this, to stand firm until the end. And then he slid this in, and I don't know if you heard it, but he said, and my part of that will be I will acknowledge you before my heavenly Father. 
So now we come to the end of chapter 10. Jesus gives us some very important last words. And what Jesus does now, he answers the question that all of us have been asking. And here's the question. So Jesus, what's my reward for living a life like you've described? Anybody else ever want to know the answer to that question? Everything that we've done and talked about in Matthew chapter 10, all of these difficult words, now Jesus is going to answer the question. So what's my reward for living a life like this? You see, Jesus is about to answer the question for those of us who have decided to follow him. And my friends, let me just tell you this. What he's about to tell us is well worth the struggle. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from Matthew chapter 10, and I'm going to read verses 40 through 42. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. That's God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, I am thankful for the promises of your word. Help me understand how these promises can give me strength so that I can do and be what you've created me to be, a disciple of Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. When Lori and I were in Florida, we had developed kind of a, a hobby, and the hobby was on Fridays we would kind of explore Florida. After a while, we found the places that were kind of our favorite places, and one of them was Clearwater Beach. I mean, it was just 70 miles from our house, and we would drive, and we loved the ocean. It was fun to be there, the sand, and there were always people there, and it was absolutely gorgeous. We felt like we were on vacation the whole time we were there. I remember that as we had been there a while, one of the prisoners from my congregation came up to me and said, hey, I, I see, Pastor Bob, that you like to go to the ocean a lot, so are you aware of the rules of the ocean? <laughs> I was kind of like, um, I'm not sure exactly what you're talking about, but go ahead and tell me. He said, the first one is, is that you never turn your back on the ocean. Okay, I remember that. I remember we were in Hawaii on our fifth anniversary and Lori had kind of a mishap because she turned her back on the ocean. So we learned that one the hard way. But then he told me, but there's also something else that you need to be careful of. He shared with me about the fact that you need to be careful when you're in the ocean about the undertow, the undercurrents in the ocean. And he talked about how dangerous they can be. And the worst thing that you can do is not pay attention to them because they are so strong that they can pull you out and if you're not paying attention, 
pretty soon you'll be out farther than you ever thought and you could even find yourself in trouble. Okay, that's a great word. And then he shared with me, so this is what you need to do. And then he told me, you need to always check your markers. Okay, tell me what you mean by that. He said, you need to find something on the shore in different places that become your markers so you will always know where you are. So maybe it's that red and white umbrella over there and that blue and white umbrella over there. And then you check your markers regularly because that's how you know you won't drift. Now I started thinking about that in my own life. And you know what? That's exactly what Jesus is telling us in these next few verses. He's telling us you need to have markers in your life. Because if you don't have markers and you're just living life, just going about doing life, you're in danger of being pulled away from what God has called you to be. And so Jesus says, check your markers. That's how you always know where you are. So all of a sudden now, as we come to verse 40, there's something that Jesus says right before that that kind of makes you turn your head and go, Jesus says these words. He says, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Now, what in the world is Jesus talking about here? Here's what Jesus is saying. He is answering the question for those who accepted the challenge to become worthy of him. And he tells them, this is how you pick up your cross. I want you to think about something for a moment. In our lives, I think that pandemic has exaggerated some things in our lives. One of the things that I think is exaggerated is how much lack of self-control we have now compared to a year and a half ago. Have you noticed that? I mean, now there is no we go from zero to five, we go zero to 10. And what do we do then? We grab a gun and we shoot somebody. Have you seen how many arguments and fights that are happening all over our country? It's like we go from zero to 10 just like that. Part of the problem is, is that we've been away from each other, and so we've learned to live in our own cocoon, and we don't like people messing with our cocoon. This is what Jesus is telling us. He's saying, the problem is now is that people in the world right now are trying to find their life. And the way they're finding it is they're trying to create their own happiness, their own comfort, and their own contentment. You see, Jesus is telling us that the people are believing the lie that taking care of good old number one is the path to happiness and peace. And Jesus tells us that's how you lose your life. If you're trying to get the next promotion, if you're trying to build your savings account, if you're trying to have the biggest house, 
If you're working all of the extra hours because you want to find what you think you need to be comfortable, you're fighting a losing battle. Now hear me, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with climbing the ladder. I'm talking about when these priorities become your main focus, that's when we're in trouble. Just because you have a big bank account, just because you have a big house, just because you think you have the things that you need to be comfortable, Jesus is telling us you're never gonna be comfortable. In fact, that's how you lose your life. Jesus tells us that's what it means to live in the flesh. So how do you know if you're living in the flesh? Anxiety, depression, you're miserable. Jesus tells us, be careful of trying to live your life by bringing everything in and believing that's what's going to make you happy. Everybody clear? All right, now, so the question that I want to ask is, so what does it mean then to lose your life? And you know what? Jesus gives us an example. Let's find it in the scriptures here, okay? It's in John 12, 24. This is Jesus talking. Look what he says. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. All right, so I brought a kernel of corn with me, okay? It's very small, but this is my kernel. It's not yours, it's mine. You can't have it. I dare you to try and take it from me. For someone who's trying to find their life, They will live their life saying, this is my kernel of corn. You can't have it. It's mine. It's for me. It's for my family. This is what's going to bring me happiness. I'm going to keep it close to myself, and nobody's going to get it. And so what happens? You're frustrated because in the end, all you have is a kernel of corn. Now Jesus comes in, and now he tells us this. You see, what you need to do is you need to take this kernel of corn And you need to plant it. And when you plant the kernel of corn, you know what's going to happen? A lot of different plants are going to come up. And what's going to happen is where you were just, had just had one kernel of corn, now you have many plants. And Jesus says, that's what it means to lose your life and then to find it. Now here's the key that I want you to remember about this. Here's what the world doesn't understand. Ladies and gentlemen, the kernel of corn is meant to be multiplied. So this kernel of corn now becomes your life. Your life is meant to be multiplied. And as you keep it and hoard it to yourself, it will never be multiplied. You know what the saying of every farmer is when they plant their seeds? They always expect more than what they planted. And Jesus is telling us, when you choose to live your life for Christ, what he does is he takes that life and he multiplies it to where now there is many of you. You know what that looks like? Remember Britt who was here last week? That's what it looks like. Here's a man who last week shouldn't have able to even be here. 
in bed all week with cancer. And yet he knew that God had given him a task to do. And when he came, could you not see Jesus in his eyes? You see, what Britt did was, is he came and he invested his life, and because of it, God used it all over the world. Britt has a story. Can you imagine if he would have just kept it to himself? But what did he do? He came up here and he sat on this platform, and this last week we had over 3,800 people watch that video. So here's Britt. This man who is, knows he doesn't have long to live, he gives his life for Jesus Christ and it multiplies 3,800 some times. That's what God wants to do in all of your lives and he will if you allow him to do it. I need to tell you that Britt's getting ready to see Jesus. He's real close. And I want you to know that, yes, I will miss my friend, but I'm sure envious of him because he's about to get his great reward. And that's what we're about to talk about. You ready? Here we go. Here we go. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 40 now, look at what it says. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Now, this is what Jesus is saying here. Let me give you a quick history lesson, okay? In Mideastern culture, okay, your identity was not just tied to you. It was tied to your family and also to your community. So this is what I mean by that. Remember, how did Jesus do his ministry? He went from town to town. He didn't have a place to stay. He just went in. He looked where there was a place where somebody would take him in, and that's where he would stay. That's the way they did it in those days. And so this is what we learn from that culture, and that's this, is that when you welcome an individual, you not only welcome that individual, you welcome their family, and you also welcome their community. Now, here's what Jesus is telling us here. Jesus is telling us when someone welcomes you, they welcome Jesus. And when they welcome Jesus, they're welcoming the Heavenly Father. So Jesus is telling us, again, in a very subtle way, there's still only one way to the Father, and it's through Jesus the Son. You want to get to the heavenly father, you got to go through Jesus. So when you do something for Christ, guess what? When people welcome you, they welcome Jesus, but they also welcome the heavenly father. So here's what God wants us to understand through Jesus' words. When people connect with you, you connect them to the heavenly father. So think about this. This is what that means. Some of you afterwards, you're going to go out to lunch. And you're going to have lunch, and then when it's done, you're going to have an opportunity to give a tip. And you know, you know what? This is the right thing to do. I want you to know that when you do that, you are connecting the Heavenly Father 
to that waitress. When you do something for someone in the name of Jesus, you are connecting them to the Heavenly Father. Have you ever thought about that? I haven't. I sure am going to now. Because everywhere I go, I carry Jesus Christ with me. The Spirit of the living God lives in me. And now when I connect with other people, guess what? I'm connecting them to the Heavenly Father. And that's what Jesus is telling us. So the question that I would ask you today is, who is it today that you are going to connect with the Heavenly Father? Here's the next thing. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. Now it gets really good, all right? So here's what I want you to understand. I heard the other day, I was watching the Olympic trials, and there was this female Olympic um, gold medalist soccer player, and this is what she said. She said, I have never scored a goal in my life where someone didn't first pass me the ball. I thought that was cool. It's just kind of like in basketball. In basketball, everybody loves to score. Why? Because then you hear your name over the loudspeaker. Basket by Nick Jones. And everybody goes, ah. But you know what coaches teach their athletes to do? They say, it's not just about you. Because you would have never made that basket if you wouldn't have got that pass, right? So what do coaches teach their players to do? When you make the basket, what's the first thing they do? They point to the person that passed it to them. Why? Because you can't do anything great by yourself. Now here's what I want you to hear, and this is the exciting part. Are you ready? The pastor can't do the mission of God by himself. I'm going to say that again. The pastor, the prophet, the teacher cannot accomplish the mission of God by himself. Somebody has to cook the breakfast. Somebody has to clean the carpet. Somebody has to pass out the worship folder. Somebody has to clean the chairs. Someone has to babysit the babies and rock them in the nursery. Somebody has to be in the parking lot to help you park. Someone needs to take your money if you're buying a t-shirt. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is what the Bible is telling us from Jesus, the mouth of Jesus himself. Here's what he's telling us. Just because you're not the pastor doesn't mean you don't share in the pastor's reward. Well, I thought you'd be a little excited about that. So here's, here's what I mean. This is really important. You know what? So Billy Graham, a while back, he was on the Johnny Carson show. I know I shouldn't have said that. A lot of you probably think Johnny who? But Johnny Carson used to be a television um, interviewer, okay? But he was interviewing Billy Graham, and Billy Graham had just done, he had done a, a, an evangelist for over, or, or he had given the, the story, the evangelist story, for over a million people. And thousands and thousands of people came to know Jesus. And here's what I want you to understand. A lot of us would sit there and think, wow, that Billy Graham, he must have one huge mansion in heaven. 
But here's what I want you to understand. According to what Jesus just told us here, the person who came and carried his podium out and set up the microphone so that he could speak gets the same reward Billy got. That pumps me up, right? You see, that's what Jesus is telling us here. He's saying, when people respond to you and respond to the gospel, when you're doing what you're supposed to do, it doesn't matter if you're preaching, it doesn't matter if you're working in the parking lot, you all get the same reward. So the reward goes to the person who's working behind the scenes that nobody sees, who's right now in that little room over there just making sure that this gets over the internet. The reward for them is the same as it is for me and anybody else who's doing anything. That is awesome. Now, you may think, well, I'm not really interested in rewards. Let me tell you, if you knew the rewards that the Lord Jesus Christ gives, believe me, you would be interested in rewards. Yesterday, I was walking around. I was up over at 21st. I was at Walgreens at 21st and Mays. And there was a, a group of little boys who were out there, and they were collecting money for their football team. Okay, when I got out of my truck and I was walking into the Walgreens, a little boy came up to me and said, sir, 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 would you, would you donate to our football team? I said, I'll be back. So I went into the Walgreens and I came back out and you know what, I just don't carry cash anymore. So I had a dollar. So when I came out, I said, hey, I'll give you everything I have. Man, his eyes got this big around, okay? And then I said, dude, all I got is a dollar. But I said, whatever I have, I'm going to give to you, okay? All right. So a lot of people think, oh, no big deal. All right? Let's go to the next verse and see what Jesus says about that, okay? Look at this. If, and if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Now, I want to ask you one thing before we get into that, and that is this question. Why did Jesus come? Here's the answer. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. All right, now, let's go back to this. In the very first line, it says, and if, what's the next word? Anyone. Not just the pastor. It can be the usher. It can be an old person. It can be a young person. It can be a child, it doesn't matter. It can be a wealthy person, it can be a poor person, it doesn't matter. If anyone, the Bible tells us. We go on, and if anyone gives even a cup of what? Cold water. You know what? A cold water is no, cold water is no big deal, right? It's no big deal to give somebody a cup of cold water. That's something very small. So here's what Jesus is saying so far. If anyone, I don't care who you are, anyone gives, even the smallest thing, maybe it's a cup of cold water, maybe it's you're opening the door for somebody, maybe it's a can of food. Now we go on. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these, what is the next word? Little ones. Let me help you understand something. The little ones in Jesus' day were no big deal. 
A child didn't become valuable until for a boy it was when he became a man. They were just a part of the family. They were little ones. They were to be they were to be not seen and heard. They were just to be in the background, okay? And so Jesus says now, if anyone gives a cold a cup of water, even to the ones that don't matter. You know what that means? That could be, that could be the, 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 your neighbor. It could be the person who's on the, on the street. It could be someone that is very poor. It could be somebody that's very wealthy. But Jesus is telling us, even those people that you think don't matter. And then look what Jesus says that person will certainly not lose their reward. Now, Here's what I want you to know, and I want to close with this. My friends, Jesus keeps meticulous records. So yesterday, Jesus is writing down, Bob Beckler, June 25th, 2021, $1. Today, June 26th, he knows that you brought food in. He knows if you've delivered a bed. He knows if you've gone to visit the sick. He knows if you've held the door for someone who is elderly. He knows if you saw someone fall and you went to help them up. He knows if you stopped and picked somebody up or helped them because their car broke down. Jesus knows everything that you've done and he keeps meticulous records. Why? So he can reward you. That's our God. You may think it's no big deal, but here's what I want to know that Jesus tells us in this verse. The little things matter. And the things that you're doing that you think nobody sees, I see, and they matter, and from it will come a reward. That's the kind of God that we serve. Now, I think about Britt right now and where he is and what he's facing. One of the things that he told me that he just couldn't wait, there's one thing he wanted to hear and he just wanted to hear his heavenly father say, well done, Britt. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that's what I want too. Isn't that what you want? So listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory with all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, 
Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. When we pass out the turkeys, we're doing it for him. When we take cookies to the prisoners, we're doing it to him. When we build a children's ministry, we're doing it to him. You get the picture? And as we continue to follow God's word, all of us one day will stand before him. And you know what? He's going to look all of us in the eye. And he's going to roll out his record roll and all of the things that we've done. And he's going to look at that and he's just going to shake his head and he's going to smile. And then he's going to look at you and he's going to say to you, well done. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy that has been prepared for you since the beginning of time. May God grant this to us all. Let's pray together.